You're listening to Festival Grasp. A podcast diving into the business and culture of the music festival world. With your hosts, Mario. And Shanae. Oh, welcome everybody to the newscast in this week's edition. Romanian music festivals offer free tickets to recovered COVID-19 patients who donate plasma. Socially distanced concerts and illegal lockdown raves. The UK is seeing both worlds collide. It's 2020. Why are we still seeing festival lineups with such poor diversity? Eric Morello arrested and charged with sexual battery. The Burning Man multiverse is on like Donkey Kong. But first up, Tomorrowland's virtual festival set a new standard for digital events, and here's how they did it. So Tomorrowland created a revolutionary interactive virtual world in just under three months. They had filmed DJ performances around the world in multiple cities. They created a 3D virtual world for their attendees, and they included inspirational talks and panels throughout the event. The event was definitely not only one for the books, but one that set a bar for virtual productions. You know, Mario, the biggest complaint I've heard about virtual events is that nobody wants to see a DJ spin in their basement, and they definitely don't want to pay for it. But as these events step up in in their production quality, fans will come around to the idea of paying for these events. You can watch the Tomorrowland Around the World 2020 official after movie, linked in the show notes. Yeah, so... They call this the imaginary island of Papillionum. So the way that they structured this was that it was essentially a two-day live festival. And it was 23 euros, which now is about 27 US dollars, uh, to join when, when it went live at the end of July. And then they have a half price or $12 uh, revisit. So a revisit is what you could basically do now. And they did mention that Eventually, it will be available on YouTube for free uh, f- uh, after, you know, it's kind of worn out probably since the, people say when the sales drop, they'll just offer it for free. But one of the things I really want to bring into um, in, into a conversation here, Shanae, is that uh, I, I was looking at the uh, at the money, at the business side of this. They may have made more money doing it this way than they would have had they actually had the physical festival, which is a little bit mind boggling. So let, let's just break it down. So we have a festival that is generating, by all accounts, uh, at least from what I've been able to find out, about 20 million uh, euros per season, which is over uh, the two the two weekends. And that's around 23 million USD. And the production costs, like it, that could have been, that could be a gross, but from what I understand, it's actually a profit. So we don't really know what the production costs are, which, you know, it's, it's, I'd like to know, um, just because if I was looking at a profit and loss statement or for that matter, a balance sheet, I'd, I'd kind of want to know what investments are carried over as assets on a balance sheet that are not, that are depreciated over time. And then what is hard costs every year that reduce your profit margins. So if it was gross profit and we didn't know what the the costs were for that season that year then then it'd be hard to figure out what is a net profit but let's just assume that let's just call it a 20 million dollar a year profit and you know these guys i mean you got to give it to the manu and michelle beers they started in 2005 in boom belgium and they've just been growing this thing like it's on a massive bull run it's bitcoin in 2017 it just keeps going up and i think that they're onto something with this uh live stream production i'm not sure 
if they're ever going to go back to the old model. But certainly the new model is something that is going to make them um, almost just as much money. And, and here's why. In this live stream, they sold 1 million views at, at 23 euros, which is $27, uh, 27 US dollars, which is 27 million. Now, the reports that I could find in terms of how much money it cost them to put on this live event, including the acts that they paid, the DJs that they paid, all the production, all that, was $10 million. So technically, it's about $17 million of profit. But when you think about it, they didn't have any of the liabilities. They didn't have any of the maybe unexpected costs that may have arise, things that eat up your bottom line so or your profit yeah. margin. So I'm wondering if they're sitting back right now in the offices, right? And thinking, oh my God, guys, we don't need to do two weekends from now on. We could do we could do a small weekend special, VIP only, exclusive, cut down on all the expenses, cut down on all the risk, and then do this massive virtual festival that we can market the heck out of because now we can do it. We're one of the best in the world. I mean, if you watch the video, I mean, holy cow. I, I thought I was watching The Lord of the Rings. Like it was that beautiful to watch. And this was only a 14 minute small clip. Can you imagine two days of it? I'm thinking to myself, what if I had a private party I paid $23 to watch this live stream. I rented, you know, some kind of warehouse somewhere. I had 50 people, which, which are within the realm of, of, of what's allowable, right? 50 to 100 in an indoor space. I'm sure that's going to change, but let's just say that. And then I invited people there and we had a warehouse party with this beautiful visual of Tomorrowland around the world playing. I mean, that's... It, it's a win-win for everyone. I'm not going to get those 50 people to travel to Tomorrowland and, and pay for camping and all that kind of stuff. It's impossible. But here I have a collection of my friends watching this. I don't know. What, you, what do you think, Sinead? Do you think this, like, did we just see the future here? I think that it's a great opportunity for people who, like you said, can't travel. And especially during, you know, this pandemic, you don't want to travel or aren't comfortable or can't afford it, whatever the reasons may be. It gives you an opportunity to still get together with your friends and have an experience. Is it the same as live festivals? No, but it's a great segue and it's a great second option if you can't do the real thing. Totally agree with you. All right, up next, the Burning Man multiverse is on like Donkey Kong. Okay, I love the name and title of this article here by Rusty Blazenhoff uh, via Boing Boing, which is a, a blog that he writes for. And he's basically talking about his own first person point of view. And we just described what it was like to watch a incredibly uh, well put together live stream music festival. But what Burning Man is doing is that they're creating a virtual reality space that you can actually go into with a VR headset. Far different than what Tomorrowland just did, but equally incredible. So what I've been able to learn is that there's there's this program called Altspace VR, and this is something you can download on your computer and you can go in and if you have a little bit of uh, uh, know-how, you can start not just building, but you can actually join other people's building processes and actually participate and help them build things. Very interactive um, and very um, organic in terms of what you can do with it. But he said he was checking out the Burning Man VR that was already built and um, he didn't have the headset, but he was, uh, he was, he, this is what he said. He was exploring different events. He went skating at a Black Rock roller disco party. He met new people on this chat feed called Get Social. So you can interact inside of this VR space with, with people in real time. And then he was checking out the playa from above while flying. And then he was riding around in mutant vehicles. 
And I'm a computer guy, but I don't know enough to go and build virtual reality uh, escapes. And he's saying he didn't either and that he really found it to be something that is worthwhile. They have this, um, we've linked it in the show notes. They've already created these, these virtual scapes and they have a chart here and there's multiverse, sparkleverse, mysticverse, the bridge, BRC VR, which is Black Rock City VR. There's infinite playa, build a burn, burn two, temple 2020 and burn night live. Okay. So these are the, these are the official realms in the multiverse, the, the realities that we talked about in last week's episode. Right. And you don't need a VR headset for all of them. Basically, what you need is a laptop or a computer. And some of these VR scapes, you can you can actually look out on your mobile phone. So some of them are kid-friendly. Some of them are not kid-friendly. It lists it all in the chart here. I'm enamored. I'm going to spend the entire week exploring these virtual scapes. It's on like Donkey Kong, Shanae. I'm definitely going to check it out. Um, I like that Burning Man has found a way to keep that collaboration and creativity open for their attendees because that's really what Burning Man is about is bringing something and and to the table for everybody and they found a way to do this virtually which I think is just brilliant. I totally agree. They may be the leaders in musical festival culture in my opinion. So Mario, Romanian music festivals Untold and Never See have now offered free tickets to recovered COVID-19 patients who donate plasma. While they are postponed for their 2020 edition, they are opening up for 2021 and they have partnered up with a local supermarket chain, Kaufland Romania, with a blood donation campaign called Blood Network. I think that what these festivals are doing is just so amazing. While they're providing philanthropy to those in need, they're also increasing their brand awareness and loyalty by staying relevant during this unprecedented time. Yeah. So convalescent plasma is, I guess, what we're discussing here, right? And in in Canada, you can actually go and donate your blood. Uh, I'm sure you can do that anywhere in the world. It's been around a long time, uh, convalescent plasma. It's, it's I've heard people say it's experimental. No, it's not. They're experimenting with that therapy for coronavirus. The actual practice of it has been around a really long time. And in Canada, you can donate your blood. Um, the only requirements are that you were previously confirmed positive for COVID-19 by a laboratory test, that you're younger than 67 years old, and that you've been fully recovered from the virus and symptom-free for at least 28 days. And you can just go online and find uh, every city in Canada has a place where you can donate that's safe. So this this could this could be all over the world. And, and as you've mentioned, these festivals tapped into this. And I think at the end of the day, these are all therapies. It's a new virus. Uh, they're trying to figure it out. They're doing the best they can. The number one thing we can do is prevent people from dying and try to reduce pain in conjunction with social distancing at festivals and not allowing people into nightclubs <laughs> where they're going to become super spreaders and trying to teach our you know young that we're not ruining their life by asking them to be a little bit more responsible. We're just trying to help others who are more at risk. All right, next up, illegal lockdown raves in the UK see police swarm on woodlands as hundreds flout coronavirus rules at all-night parties. So in the UK, they're having a bit of an issue here. I looked at the photos. It's a bunch of kids who want to go party. They don't like to be told what to do. And they're having these illegal raves in Epping Forest, which is a uh, ancient woodland between Epping 
in Essex to the north and Forest Gate in Greater London to the south. And it's a former royal forest, so it's managed by the city of London. And then there's these kids who are basically throwing these um, illegal raves inside of it. And some residents, local residents, made eight separate noise complaints. So the cops went and checked it out. And of course, you know, at be, being a, a royal forest, there's there's no real way to hide because it's well patrolled and managed. And so I don't know what they were thinking, but the but the police came out with an official statement and said underground musical events are illegal, have no security, are not insured, are not ticketed, and they frequently associate with antisocial behavior and violence. <laughs> Those attending UME, as they're described, events are putting themselves at risk. Shanae, what do you think about this? You know, we know that the EDM and rave culture kind of stemmed from these underground raves. And as it became more mainstream, you saw less and less underground and more open and safer environments. Because yeah, when you don't have security and you don't provide water and you don't provide bathrooms, things like this, it can get dangerous. You don't know what people are doing and it's definitely risky business. But in contrast to illegal raves, the UK is also experimenting with their first socially distanced concerts. Um, there's a new venue called Virgin Money Unity Arena and they have... It's a pop-up venue. They have allowed live music events and they've implemented policies to ensure crowds remain segmented throughout their experience. They have cars parked two meters apart and each party is guided separately to their own fenced-in seating areas. The grounds are covered with 500 raised metal platforms. So picture private VIP viewing areas, which host groups of five or up to five. And masks are enforced anytime you're not in that area. So they really discourage any mingling between groups. But wow, I think that this would be a huge game changer for events because if they can rent a large enough property, they're able to pull it off. And honestly, for me, the introvert inside loves this concept. I can stay in a specific area with my friends and dance without the massive bodies pushing from all angles and having the opportunity of a good view always and you know, easily accessible drinks and bathrooms and never kind of being forced through crowds. So I really like love this idea and it's safe. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the last part. It's safe. It's safe. It's legal. It's considerate. It's responsible. It's exactly what needs to happen. And you heard it from me when I first read this story. I was... I was not... I, 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 uh, I'm, not sure, I, I'm not sure how I felt about it. I, I, I think... Um, I think I was a little abhorred by by the fact that this was happening uh, because I'm so used to being someone who is into the festival and being involved with people and being close to people. And of course, that's what's been happening at these illegal raves where people have been wanting to to do that, to relive the way they've always lived, which is let's just mash up and have a good time. But to be honest, I've really come around now because I think I would go. I would go. If they had one, if they had one locally where I am, I would go because I, I really just want to be, I want to have an open mind and I want to participate in helping our world move along in the current situation without being a dick about it. And which, which, which is, I think it's what's insulting about these younger children and they may be older as well, but they're, they're at the end of the day, they're not protecting their right to freedom. This is, this is the one I hear the most that, that that's just garbage. Okay. Um, you, you, you're as free as you ever were, in my opinion, 
In fact, you're even freer to be a better person now than ever. And they're choosing not to be. So I want to read a quote here. This one gentleman named Fender, he says, I will miss the mosh pits. And he posted a video from the stage at this at this event we just spoke about. And then he said, but they will come. They'll eventually come back when we're allowed to do it again. I think it's fantastic that our region is going to lead the way on this and will be the trailblazers for something that will hopefully continue on through the rest of the pandemic. It's not going to be the same as a gig you would normally have, but we've got to do what we can do. That's the right attitude. That's a great attitude and an added bonus for anyone who's like, meh, I don't, I don't know if I want this. I don't know if I want to go to this kind of event. If you like being at the front of a stage and standing against the rail, you now have your own personal rail. Well put, Sinead, your own personal rail. So bonus. Who wouldn't want that? Next up, we want to talk about why we're still seeing lineups with such poor diversity in 2020. So on July 31st, an Australian festival, Rabbits Eat Lettuce, announced their 2020 lineup. This lineup is containing over 60 acts, and majority of their lineup consists of white male artists. Under 10% of their acts are women or gender non-conforming individuals. But this festival is built on the belief that festivals can be a powerful catalyst of self-development, healing, and social change. Their event is about freedom, love, and dance music, and they push their audience to open their hearts, develop their minds, and move their bodies. So it was pretty problematic to see that their own promoters participating and engaging in the Black Lives Matter music industry blackout campaign, calling for systemic change to promote more Black musicians and recognize the history of much of today's music that derives from Black culture. They've themselves contributed to an online discussion where they've expressed wanting to listen and learn in regards to social change. But I don't think they heard it, or maybe it was all performative. Their lineup suggests that it probably was. What are your thoughts, Mario? Oh my God, where to begin? Oh dear. Okay, so I love Australia. I uh, My entire family lives in Perth, Australia. I'm a huge fan of Australian festivals. I mean, they have, they have some of the, by the way, they have some of the craziest names. Some of them are Splendor in the Grass, Rainbow Serpent, Big Pineapple, Groove in the Moo, Strawberry Fields, and Mushroom Valley. And now, of course, we're talking about Rabbits Eat Lettuce. As you mentioned, they included a text as part of the, the movement that was going on uh, with Black Lives Matter. They said, listening and learning. There's a term for their behavior, and this is kind of circulating now. It's called slacktivism, and it's actions taken to endorse and promote political or social causes and movements, but involving only minimal commitment, effort, or risk. In other words, half-hearted activism. And this is what they're guilty of. <laughs> half-hearted activism. Now, they are located in Brisbane, and this festival was supposed to be happening in middle of April. And of course, Australia shut down just like every other country in the world during April to minimize the spread of this novel virus, COVID-19. And they handled it fairly well. I mean, Brisbane is in northern Australia, and it's fairly small. And the hardest hit area of Australia was actually the southeastern side, which is Sydney and Melbourne. So because they they were okay in the north, they reopened and they were, they were actually going to have this festival again. And that's why we're talking about it. So Human Movement uh, was one of the artists that after seeing the lineup come out, noticed its imbalance and stated it on his website and said, I'm out, I'm out. I, mean, I can't believe you guys. Like it, it's all, uh, 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 there's no diversity here. Okay. It's whacked. So the festival, okay, went onto his Facebook post and posted a reply. And they said, we're sorry you feel that way, HM. When you're male, 
booking agent offered you to our festival with a bunch of other male artists, these are in quotes, gender didn't really cross our minds. We accepted his proposal to book you for the festival on the basis of your music and that alone. We think booking an artist based on gender actually contradicts the message you are trying to put out. We would love to see more female artists in the industry. We are quick to book female artists that are killing it, and we regularly book aspiring female DJs that apply. If that inspires women to it, that attend our festivals to get into music and apply to perform at festivals, that's amazing. Our two biggest offers for the festival happen to be for female artists Peggy Goo and Maya Jane Coles, who unfortunately both declined. This isn't a singular acting phenomenon. The reality is, this is the worst part, the reality is that most of the agencies that sell artists to us come to us with male artists, such as yours. In addition, when we open the festival's music applications, we only receive 5% of female artists applying. This is just the fact of the market. There are many more aspiring male artists than females pursuing careers in the field at this time. Shanae, please, please help me. You know, unfortunately, okay, I'll give them this part is that a lot of booking agents have a large client base of male DJs. So that in itself is a problem as well. Booking agents need to have more females on their labels, females under their team, like they they need to actively search for these because they do exist. There are many female DJs and aspiring female DJs, but in the industry, they don't get the same opportunities and they don't get the same general experience, like level of safety or level of pay rate. It's, it's very one-sided. And to say that, well, that's just the way that the industry is and it's not their fault that they only receive 5% female artists applying... No, it's not. But then look into those 5% and really see the quality of their music. Because you can say, well, I had 100 you know, male DJs apply and only five female DJs. I, I don't know. I would say if you wanted to step up and you're saying you're listening and learning, then step up and actively search for these other female DJs because they exist. Absolutely. I can't believe their attitude on this. I slacktivism. Holy cow. Not just that, but just downright laziness. First of all, you write on your on your festival website that you, you say all the right things. And you know, Shanae, you're gonna hear it from me so many times. We need to hold these festivals accountable to what they say. If you tell us this is what you stand for, and then you act like in the opposite direction, it's our job to call you out and your fans need to know because they're the ones keeping you in business. So if we can make a case that you should not be supported, then maybe we will down your festival. How about that? Because I, I, I must say, this, this reminds me of an analogy. Imagine you go at a restaurant where you hear that there's this chef and he's touted in your community as the best thing around right now. However, when you show up, there's nothing on the menu. It's just bland. And you say, well, I came here. I was expecting to pay a lot of money. I was expecting some diversity in the menu. He's supposed to be one of the best chefs around. My expectations were high. Then the chef comes out and he says, listen, I must apologize, but the store that I went to to shop for the groceries down the street really had nothing on the shelf. So I'm sorry. It's all I could do. It's the best I could do. Are you kidding me? You should go out, 
and you should find the best resources. You should travel across the entire, wherever you are, pull in anything you can and give us the ingredients that we need for the best meal we've ever had, because that is what you told us you would give us. And this is a perfect analogy for this festival. I want to close out by saying that Emma here wrote an absolutely fantastic article. Emma Jones, she describes herself just a Robin Stan who loves going to the club. Um, now, I looked up uh, Robin Stan, and it's people who are, 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 are fans of uh, Lana Del Rey. So there you go. I, I didn't even actually know that. But look, she closes out her article, Emma does, with, with this, and I just want to read this. We need the team behind Rabbits Eat Lettuce to be the leaders they can be. We have a unique opportunity as an industry and a community in being able to rebuild a broken culture for a new era. Lineups like this are not part of the new era dawning. They are the death rattle of the last era that 2020 should have put to rest. Oh, Emma, a woman after my heart. All right. Next up. And finally, Eric Morello arrested and charged with sexual battery. Oh, dear. Where do we begin? Do you know this track here? Yeah. I like to move it, move it. That I do. That track is Eric Morello in a project when he was called Real to Real. The rig of vocals there by Trinidad and Tobago and the rapper Mad the Stuntman. Now, that was one of his most famous tracks. But of course, he's a house music DJ with his own label. Been around the electronic dance scene for a really long time. I remember hearing about him and dancing to him at raves when I was a, a very young man. So he's definitely someone who's been around. But he was arrested and charged with sexual battery of a woman in Miami. And this was reported by Local 10. And the charges stem from a December incident, which happened at his Miami home. According to the arrest report, the accuser says that Marillo made several advances towards her, some sexual in nature, but she refused all of his attempts. She later told police that she was intoxicated and went to a room to go to sleep by herself. And when she woke up, she reported waking up nude on the bed with Mr. Marillo standing on the side of the bed, also nude, and of course, was a little disconcerted about that whole situation. So for months, he denied all the accusations. But then on Wednesday, a rape kit confirming that the DNA on the bed was his led him to turn himself into his attorney. Now, the only thing that Eric Marillo like move it, move it. is going like to move, move it, is move into it. a jail cell, okay? Because that is just obscene. Yeah, I mean, it's a really challenging topic to discuss, but one that we absolutely need to keep discussing because it's prevalent in not only the music industry, but just in society, people are not being held accountable and people deny their actions. And when you're in a position of power, your audience or the people who are following you want to believe you because they idolize you or they just think, wow, like he seems like a great person. Why would he ever do this? Or his friends and family would be like, no, he would never do that. You know, he's great with us. But abusers are, they typically are great with the people around them. And it's, very hard, well, not all the time, but sometimes very hard to see the true colors of somebody and their behaviors and taking sexual advances and and not listening to the person that they're, you know, trying to do things with. So very concerning. I'm glad that he was arrested. I'm disappointed that he denied everything. And I'm disappointed that he, you know, acted on his urges in general, which he should never have done. Well, thanks everyone for joining us on another week's Festival Grasp. Make sure to subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts 
Spotify or via your chosen podcast collector so you'll never miss us talking into your ears again. And while you're at it, if you find value in what we are discussing, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It's like telling a friend about it, but better. And it gives us a chance in that big old world out there. I know we're just getting to know each other, but come on, show us some love. We're here for you. You're here for us. So let's do this thing. To sign up as an expert guest on the show, to leave us a question or message, or to jar tip your support, follow the appropriate links in the show notes. Be sure to keep tuning in weekly for our music festival newscast and subscribe to Deep Dives, our bi-monthly in-depth topical discussion show with interviews and guests that will bring you insight and knowledge. Link in the show notes. This podcast edited by GBA Recordings. For me, Mario. And Shanae. See you next time. Bye.